prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this day grateful that we are made in your image and called as your people to be salt and light to a world which is confused. And it's not that we got it all together, Lord, but that we have a unique place and a unique position in which to shine your light. And we pray that we would do so through your word this day. And you would speak to us through it in ways that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the great strengths about being a multi-generational congregation is the wisdom that we get from our older friends and the energy we get from our younger friends. But the reality is when you're a multi-generational congregation, there are issues which aren't addressed oftentimes because the vast majority of us are adults and up. But yet, for our young people, they feel left behind, unspoken to, and not heard with the issues that they're dealing with. And so we arrive today at what does it mean for us to be fully human beings with hope for the future. Those are the two points we're going to land on today. And it's vital because so many of us, our friends, and our family have friends who are in the LGBTQ community, it's important for us to be salt and light, loving, welcoming, a safe place. So what does the Bible have to say for us in a, in a world such as this, in this hot issue, right? Well, I encourage you to let's look at the book of Genesis first. We're going to look at who we are as fully human gendered human beings, and secondly, we're going to look at the hope that we have for the future with Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. Genesis 1 and 2 gives us three foundational facts, realities of what it means for us to be human right off the bat. Going from our lesson that Carol read for us, the first point I want to make when it comes to us being fully human-gendered people is that humans are created, therefore identity originates with our creator. All right, Genesis 1 and 2 stresses who God is, and in Genesis 1, you'll notice, as Carol read it, that God is the main character. He's the subject of all the verbs. God created, God said, God separated, God called, God made, God set is what's described. And the climax of the creation, as we heard read in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created the him, male and female, he created them. It says three times, right in that one verse, that it's God who's the creator. And the important thing we need to remember about that, as profound as that is, we must not miss it, that the most fundamental act of being human is that we've been created. We are not our creator. The implication of this is that I am not my own captain. I am not my own author. Paul describes it as, I am not my own. I was bought with a price. 
a person is not the first uncaused cause. God is. And so the creator determines the creature's identity. God gives us real dignity to steward our identity, but not license to divine for ourselves what species we are, what period we live in, our family of origin, our ethnicity. And so therefore, neither do we have the possibility or the freedom to choose our gender. We're more like a coin that's been stamped with the image of George Washington or whatever great leader of America. We're like that coin stamped with the image of God. Oh, that coin may get dirty over time. <laughs> it's not perfect. It might need some polish, sure. But the reality is it's not for the coin to fundamentally decide for itself what its currency is, what its denomination is, how much it's worth. It's God that decides that. Notice when you study Genesis, it doesn't say God created us black and white or intelligent or intelligent. It says God created us male and female. So for the creator from the beginning, it's the fact that we are male and female. Therefore, human identity originates with God. That's the first point that Genesis 1 and 2 teaches us. Secondly, we recognize that our bodies signal to us who we are. Therefore, identity is never less than our bodies. All right? We've heard story after story, and we know people whom we love and we care for who find themselves a girl trapped in a male body or vice versa. And they, and our culture says, well, this is what it means to be human, that the body is important, but it's not essential to who you truly are. Who you truly are lies deep inside of you. And to discover what that nebulous idea is in our mind, and therefore we can change our bodies like taking off a sport coat. You know, to fit our truer identity. But God writes in our gender our body. Our body is our gender. And it's coherent to what we see with what the Bible describes as a fully human being. And under, we must understand that our gender is located in who we are as Christians, as who we are as followers of Christ. Genesis 2 takes it a little further in verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. There's two elements of who we are as human beings. There's our physical element, the dust of the earth in that text. And then you have the breath of God breathed into the nostrils of Adam. The word dust there in verse 7 of chapter 2 is the Hebrew word Adama. We get the name Adam, humanity, from that. So whatever else man is, he is no less than a physical body. But he's not only that. God breathes life into him, and Adam only becomes a living being when God does so. 
So man is a collaboration of physicality and spirit like, quite honestly, a chemical compound. Let's take that old chemistry experiment we all did in high school, or you students are going to do in high school. You take two parts hydrogen and one part oxygen, and you fuse them together. What do you have? Water, right. Only when they're fused together do you have water. It's the same with being a human. Only when the physical and spiritual are fused together by the divine creator do you have a human being? You simply cannot separate the human and speak about the mind as its own identity and the body as a separate identity. That's like talking about hydrogen as water or oxygen as water. No, they must be fused together. All right? So when we see or we read about or we know someone who's a boy trapped in a girl's body and vice versa. It's like spitting up, splitting up the compound of water. And still trying to talk about hydrogen as water or oxygen as water. We cannot speak about human beings this way. Identifying as male and female is fundamental to our whole being never reduced to some inner sense. And so therefore, that's the second fact. And the third fact is God writes gender into the body. Notice in verse 7 of chapter 2 that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The the word there formed is from the Hebrew word yatsar, which, which is used also in the Old Testament as the potter forming the clay. In verse 22 of chapter 2, it says, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man made into a woman. That Hebrew word there implies an architect who's designing a beautiful building. With the focus being both at times on the external shape. So God is not working with two blobs of clay. He's forming a man with a body, a woman with a body, to underscore the physicality of gender. The embodiment and the reality of gender. In Genesis 2, you read to the end of it, it climaxes with the two becoming one flesh. And that union is only possible because of the complementarity of the two genders, male and female. There is no sense of our gender, be it male or female, is something placed in the inner person, the deep recesses of our minds. Rather, the emphasis is on the careful shaping of our body. And God writes our gender into our body. So, quick review, what does it mean to be human being in, in the Christian worldview for us? Number one, humans are created and therefore our identity flows, originates with the creator. Two, God creates human beings that embody beings, so identity involves the whole person, not just the inner mind. And three, 
God writes gender into our body. Our gender is never less than our biology. It's more, but it's never less. Now that's helpful for us to know. And it clarifies for us. But it's not necessarily good news for our transgender friends or the LGBTQ community as well. For most people with some type of gender dysphoria or orientation to learn that our bodies are a gift from God, a clue to our eternal destiny, doesn't feel great. Right? We need to understand that. So therefore, we need to look, where's our hope? Where can we look further to give them hope? And what we'll see is it's not just hope for our transgender friends. It's hope for all of us. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church to remind them in chapter 3 that in Christ the veil's been taken off. That we behold God face to face. That through Jesus... There's a reality between us and God. Verse 18, and we all, right, church, we, all of us, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, in Christ, he is transforming us day by day, transfiguring us day by day into the likeness of Jesus, that our lives become slowly, gradually, more and more like Jesus. As we, as we're formed into his likeness we therefore live in his kingdom and we are blessing no matter where we're found it's it's interesting word you know uh, dysphoria you know the opposite of dysphoria is euphoria the reality is you know dysphoria means to be discontented discontented with life as it is, I got news for you. After a, a windstorm of 80 miles an hour with trees falling down all over my yard and a flooded basement, I was very dysphoric this week. It's a broken world. It's a broken world. And I love you guys. So many of you guys reached out to us. We appreciate it. If you notice, I hand wrote my sermon. So if you're asking for a manuscript, have fun. Because if you've ever seen my handwriting, you're probably not going to be able to read it. Kimmy goes, why don't you come up to the library? We got, I was halfway through page eight. You know, I couldn't switch from this to typing it. So I just pretended it was 1850 in the Diocese of Ohio. And it's 98 degrees. I got oil lamps. 
I did. I got an oil lamp. It's really kind of cool. I go, this is kind of nice. I got my number two pencil. And I'm just imagining that Bishop Charles McElvain, the great evangelical bishop of Ohio, just loving me, saying, you can do it, Gene. Preach the word to these faithful saints. My friends, we all have dysphorias. We all have orientations. Because in and of ourselves, we all want to run our lives our own way at times. And I think 2 Corinthians sums it up well. This whole idea of transformed comes from the Greek word metamorpho. We get the word metamorphosis from it. Paul, this is what he says to the Romans. He says, Romans 12, I appeal to you, my brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is your spiritual worship. Isn't that beautiful? That we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, recognizing that Jesus himself, we, we're righteous. We're in his kingdom. You're a child of the king. You're a daughter of a king with all your dysphorias. And we have great hope as we walk in him. The, the sexual revolution since the 1960s, including, including what we're seeing today, is a false hope. The bar is too low for you. If you have this struggle, my brothers and sisters. And it's not worth the value of your eternal soul. It asks the person to live against their grand design. The great plan of redemption for those who desire to live under the throne of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And there's transforming help available for each and every one of us in Christ. And that aligns with that eternal design. It doesn't come quickly, typically. There's those of us who have been walking with the Lord quite a long time. But if you stick with it, renewing your mind, you'll see it. It'll come in steps. But it all starts with a posture of humility. Looking to Jesus as the source of our strength going forward. And to rely upon him and his people who are a safe place. That we're a safe place to have these discussions. So let's wrap this up. First of all, if you profess to be a Christian, within the sound of my voice, your belief in God as a creator is vital. And it cannot be contradicted by your body. Therefore, to remove perfectly good body parts or manipulate a male body into a female body and vice versa is a sin against your creator. How we treat our bodies is evidence of our worship. Jesus came as a body. He was male, but he was resurrected. Therefore, we don't contradict what our Creator has designed by the way we treat our bodies. For a believer with dysphoria, 
who comes to Jesus, recognizing who Jesus is, will stand like a prophet in our day, saying, I believe in the resurrection of this, my body, and I entrust everything to my creator. We all do that, but we got to come alongside our transgender friends and help them, make it a safe place to have these discussions. So that's the first thing. Secondly, to the greater church, we need to be a safe place to have these discussions. That there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? And because of that no condemnation, I don't care if you're 98 or 8, this is a safe place. You can talk to us. And if any of you have ever been made to feel odd, out of place in this place, I am sorry. Forgive me. I love you. And I pray that you'll come walk with us. And this will be a safe place for you. Thirdly, if you are in this community, the LGBTQT or TQB family, whatever, I'm sorry, I, I mixed them up. I'm old. Even if you've begun transitioning, even if you've begun to take hormone replacement therapy, there, even if you've fully transitioned, and if you're within the sound of my voice, I want you to know how much Jesus loves you, even now. There's nowhere you can go that you are not loved in a greater way. And your Heavenly Father desires you to come home, no matter where you are. And finally, for parents, the home needs to be a safe place. That we teach our kids and we ask our kids questions. How was your day? Fine. That's a four-letter word. You need to explain that fine to me. You know, that was common at my dinner table. You know, and I've had some parents come up to me, dinner table. We don't have a dinner table. Look, I know busy schedules of families. I've lived it. I know. Shift dinner to 8.30, 9 o'clock if you have to, but sit down for some time and listen to one another. Talk it out. Ask good questions. And help our kids live in the identity of who they are in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because identity and how children identify themselves is extremely important. It controls behavior. It influences academics, relationships, and future, and hopes, and so much more. Let's bring this home. I was listening to the radio, you know, a couple months ago, and this dude was talking on the radio about this ministry to young people. And he was funny. He was great. And all of a sudden, he said his name. His name was Kathy. I go, wait. This is a woman? What, what, what's going on here? And all of a sudden, I realized this was a woman with a really deep voice. Her name is Dr. Kathy Cook. 
the president of Celebrate Kids, who, being my age bracket, has had a ministry for years at Celebrate Kids to kids who are kind of out of the norm. She was really tall, played basketball, and spoke like a dude. All right? But she was a woman. She's married, has kids, and loves people with a huge heart. I encourage you to go to CelebrateKids.com. And her point in sharing this last story with the Wilberforce Weekend, which was a few months ago, she said, you know, if I was growing up today, the world would be telling me news that isn't good at all. That just because I have a low voice, I must be someone who I'm not designed to be. I'm just a woman with a low voice. I'm so glad that I had people come alongside of me in a safe place who loved me, especially through my middle school and high school years, walking to my talents. And today I have a platform to help kids from all these areas of the sexual revolution that are being cast out and marginalized. My friends, may we be that safe place as we walk with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God as he transforms us glory to glory, step by step in his image. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word, which reminds us what it means to be human. We lift up to you all our friends who love you, but are struggling with this issue and other orientations that are outside. And that one sense, it, we all have that, but for these friends and brothers and sisters, it's so hard. It seems normal. And we just ask you to fill them, Holy Spirit, with your love and your joy. Breathe life into their nostrils in such a way that they can't avoid your amazing grace. And they would recognize that before you, as we all are in Christ, are righteous. And there's no condemnation. And therefore, we can all with an unveiled face behold your glory and be transformed into your image, Lord Jesus Christ, as we walk in this life into the next. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.